there are few things that make people successful. Taking a step forward to change their lives is one successful trait, but it takes some time to get there. How do you move forward to greet the success that awaits you? Welcome to Next Steps Forward with host Chris Meek. Each week, Chris brings on another guest who has successfully taken the next steps forward. Now, here is Chris Meek. Welcome to this week's edition of Next Steps Forward. I'm your host, Chris Meek. As always, it's great to have you with us again. Today's guest is Michael Geyer. Michael owns and leads a full-service global video and film production company, Geyer Productions, LLC. His company produces TV commercials, short films, feature films, documentaries, internet videos, and corporate videos. Through that work, he has a unique perspective on some of the alternative approaches to treating mental health issues, particularly post-traumatic stress. And that's going to be a big part of today's conversation. Michael Geyer, welcome to Next Steps Forward. Good to be here. Thank you. You know, before we start, I forgot to warn you before, we've had some guests recently come on the show that when the intro music is playing, they'll do their best sort of little show, you know, game show dance up there. So maybe we'll have you another time to work on that for you. I'll do the John Travolta thing. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. The, <laughs> the overbite, the hustle. So, Michael, with Veterans Day just around the corner, I'm looking forward to talking to you about two documentaries you released this year, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11. But let's talk about you and your career first. Where did you grow up and what were your early, early years like? Well, I grew up in San Diego here in California, born and raised, loved this state. And um, I got into entertaining when I was like 14 in junior high school. I joined the drama class with my friends. And from there, I joined something called Junior Theater. It's a program that San Diego runs. They've got a beautiful theater in Balboa Park. They taught us to sing, dance, act. We put on musical productions in this beautiful, I think it was like a four or 500 seat theater. It's a good sized theater. And uh, so that's where I got my start in the chorus. Eventually, I worked my way up and was doing the leads in these different teenage musical productions. And then I got my first performing gig, singing and dancing in a group called The Bright Side. And that was my first paying gig. And we would travel around and perform. We, we opened for Wayne Newton in Vegas. We did all kinds of really cool jobs. I mean, we had one performance here in Long Beach, 15,000 people. It was the biggest audience today that I've still performed in front of live. And so, yeah, we, I got to do a lot of great things with the bright side. But that then led me to just wanting to perform for the rest of my life. Moved to Los Angeles and started auditioning for different projects. So I never really stayed in Los Angeles for a very long time. I was just here to audition. I'd audition. I'd get cast in a film. I'm sorry, a show, a Broadway show that was performing somewhere in the country, you know, like Oklahoma, uh, Anything Goes, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, all these amazing shows I'd get cast in. I'd fly out, do the show, fly back to LA and look for my next job, get, get hired, fly out somewhere. And I kept doing that for many, many years. And I uh, even did a job in Japan for a year, uh, starring in a show out there. So it was a pretty amazing career. I really enjoyed it. What's it like being an opening act in Vegas? That's just something that you just kind of hear about. And I've never really talked to anybody that's, like, yeah, I used to open in Vegas all the time. Well, it's cool. It's, you know, it was with Wayne Newton, who many people may not know who he is today if they're young, but. You know, Wayne Newton uh, is, was a big, big star. He was considered Mr. Vegas. He owned the Aladdin Hotel. I don't even know if it's around anymore, but he owned the Aladdin Hotel at the time. So he was the headliner in the hotel he owned. And so we would open for him at his hotel that he was headlining. And I just remember meeting him backstage, this tall, really nice guy, but really tall guy. He's a big guy and, uh, and you know, world famous. Uh, and so it was great to work with him. But yeah, it's always fun to go to perform in Vegas in front of a live audience. Actually, I have to say it's fun performing in front of a live audience, period. Now I do television and film work and I have for quite a while. And, you know, it's fun to be on set, but it's a whole different thing. You're usually in your trailer, bored, you know, and then they eventually call you out to set. You get to do your scenes and then you're back in your trailer. When you're in front of a live audience, there are so many things that can go wrong, which makes it fun. There are so many, uh, the, the energy from the audience is, makes it fun. It's just a whole different thing. And I, I love being on stage, I think, more than anything I've done as an entertainer. You talked about your Broadway career. You talked about your high school and junior high school theater. You talked about Vegas. You danced in the Fat Boy Slim video, Praise You, at the MTV Awards. That's, that's another thing on the resume I love to see. Yeah, that, you know, what's funny about that audition was, and it was an audition. So here's the thing. Spike Jones directed it. He's an Academy Award winning director. 
He also is an actor, he's done a number of films. Uh, he's won a bunch of MTV awards. And Spike Jones had auditions. Michael Rooney, who was Mickey Rooney's son, everybody remembers Mickey Rooney from the good old days. His son, Michael, is an amazing choreographer. I went in, my agent called, I went in and auditioned with hundreds of other people, and they cast uh, five of us to be in this video. Spike was also in the video, and the choreographer, Mike, was also in the video. This thing blew up. It was a worldwide huge success. Everywhere we went, the press was wanting to interview us. Uh, we want, we were nominated for four MTV awards. We won three. We performed live at the MTV awards in 1999 in New York at the uh, Metropolitan Opera House. We had celebrities running up to us going, oh my God, I love your video. And I'm like, well, I love you. <laughs> it was, it was a funny, Johnny Depp walks right past me. Madonna. I mean, you named the big stars corn. We, our video competed against corn, which they had an amazing video. I, I still can't believe we, we beat them, but anyway, it was an amazing experience. And I, even to this day, just a few years ago, I did another national interview that aired uh, in the Netherlands. I've done interviews that have aired on the BBC network all over uh, Europe. Um, it was a huge video, very popular, great song. And it's probably the biggest thing I've done as far as worldwide that had a lot of acclaim. So of all these roles you've done, what's your favorite and why? All of my favorites are the Broadway musicals. Now, I've never personally been on Broadway. So all of, I've done Broadway musicals that have been, you know, Oklahoma. I did Oklahoma in Oklahoma and I played one of the leads. Will Parker was one of my favorite roles. Um, Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dream Card. I played Joseph. I loved that. I played the Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. And because I'm a tap dancer, I asked the director, can we turn the Tin Man's big number into a tap number? He said, yes. So the Tin Man, I think we're the only production ever that's had the Tin Man tap dance, but I thought he's the Tin Man. He should be tap dancing. He's, he's got 10 feet. So they let me do it. So we got to add that. But I just love all the different musical productions I've done. And I love tap dancing. I got to tap dance with Gregory Hines for anybody who remembers him. One of the best tap dancers ever. No question. He died young, probably in, in his 50. I think he was 50. An amazing person. I worked on his film for a week and got to tap dance with him. He was just, so I've had a lot of things. I'm just honored to get to do because I'm just a little guy from San Diego who looked at my friends going, man, I just wish I could be on TV someday and make a living as an entertainer. And somehow I was able to do it. And I have never taken it for granted. It's always been a blessing to get to do it. And in addition to all these roles, you had several roles on soap operas, The Bold and the Beautiful, General Hospital, The Young and the Restless, and Passions. One of my producer, producers is a huge, huge soap opera fan. <laughs> Can you serve us some dish on what it was like to work on those sets? Well, I, it, I love doing soaps. Uh, I don't think I'd want to be one of the stars in soaps because you film an entire episode, which is an hour, in one day. So there's a lot to get shot in a day. So the stars... They, they're working all day long trying to get the lines memorized and get in front of the camera and do a decent performance. And then they're handed a, a script that's huge. And if you're one of the big stars, you've got scene after scene after scene to memorize that night after you've worked all day for the next day. So you always see them always walking around memorizing lines, sitting in the makeup room, memorizing lines. Uh, it's just constant. But when you walk on set, it's just a big, big building and they have each set right next to each other. So you'll have a restaurant set and then next door to that, it may be a bedroom set and then the police station set and right across the way, a living room set. And so we would film a scene, get that done. And then you flip around and then go literally 20 feet to the next set, set up for that, do that scene. It was just, I don't know why, but I've always enjoyed doing soaps. The hardest one was Young and the Restless because they did not want to do more than one take. They had a lot of pressure on all the actors. We do one take and that's it. So get your lines right. Don't mess it up. And that included the stars. And I watched one of the stars mess up and mess up probably eight times. Came, I'm so sorry because he knew the pressure that was on him and what the producers and director wanted. And he just didn't have his lines because, you know, again, they have a lot of lines are given the night before. It's not always easy, but Soaps were a lot of fun to do. I did every soap in Los Angeles. I think I did five or six soaps, uh, and it was a lot of fun. How is the entertainment business different than when you started, and how is it the same? Um, gosh, I, I think the only thing I really noticed as far as different is just things change. You know, there's a lot of change in society, period, over the years, and Hollywood either changes with it or Hollywood is kind of leading that change, whether that's for good or bad. Uh, you know, there's just a, that's the only thing I would see is just the change as far as where we've come as a nation uh, and morals. You know, there's a lot of things I wish weren't on TV that are on TV and Hollywood seems to be leading the way in immoral content that I'm personally not for. And there's roles I've turned down. Now I've played a lot of bad guys. I love playing bad guys. I've played serial killers and, and murderers and detectives and inmates and 
And I just got cast to play a, a warden in an upcoming film that we're filming uh, next week, actually, uh, at a prison uh, here in Los Angeles. But, you know, I, I like playing bad guys or tough guys, um, but there are roles I'm not willing to play because I just, if, it's, if it glorifies something bad, I don't want to be part of something that glorifies anything bad. If the bad person gets their due just, uh, then I'm okay with that because you show the results of the choices they've made as being negative results. I don't mind playing those roles. They're actually fun to play, but I won't promote anything that's bad or that I personally don't agree with in a film. So that's where I cut draw the line. Uh, well, hats off to you for that. Cause as you mentioned, you know, LA's doesn't really seem to pay any attention to that. And so it's nice to see a line drawn in the sand there for, for some folks. So thank you for that. Mm. And it seems to me that successful actors are ones who are able to create their own brand. How has the evolution of social media changed that? Is it for better or for worse? Well, as far as being able to promote yourself, I think it's for the better. Um, I've always been somebody who's promoted myself long before computers and social media. Anytime I was anywhere performing, I always found a way to get myself in the press. When I was, I was in Branson, Missouri for five years, and they had a, a, a TV network that I went to, my ex-wife and I, and I pitched us as guests on their show. They had a morning show. They brought us on. And so I was always looking for opportunities. Well, the, the um, station manager liked us so much, he ended up calling us a week later and offering us our own show, which we did, called Your Ticket to Branson. It aired in three or four states, and we interviewed all of the big stars that were performing in Branson, Missouri. Uh, Glenn Campbell, um, Debbie Reynolds, um, Andy Williams, I mean, you name it, the, the, the big stars that were there were, were on our show. But it's only because I was pushing myself to be interviewed. You know, when I'm in San Diego, I'm on the news. When I was in Japan, I was in the news, interviewed on television. I performed in other venues. I mean, always looking for opportunities to get myself in front of the public because that creates more opportunities for me as an entertainer. Social media helps make that all easier. What drew you to producing and directing? And what do you get from that work that makes you get up every morning and go back at it? So I started directing and producing when I was young, in my early 20s, um, theater. I had a group called Paradox, a group of actors, singers. I had a mime, um, all kinds of different things. So I've always been a director uh, on stage. And when I moved into TV and film acting as an actor, I decided also to create a production company back in 2009, I think it was. And I didn't know anything about being behind the camera. And so I learned it and then eventually started small. And then eventually we started doing short films, feature films, and now documentaries. And then I still have my corporate clients and TV commercials and everything else. But uh, it just grew over time. And, and uh, yeah. <laughs> so early, early in the show, we mentioned that Veterans Day is just around the corner. And that's a very important day for both you and I. And for you, especially with your release this year of the two documentaries I mentioned, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11. Tell us about the projects. How did you choose to do them? How long did it take to put them together? And what were some of the challenges you saw? So Wounded Heroes, I'll start with that. That was the first film. We released it in March of this year. And for, for more details, I'll give you the website now, uh, woundedheroesdocumentary.com. It has the trailer uh, where the film is located, like Amazon, uh, iTunes, Google Play. It's on all the different platforms for people to watch, but I produced that film basically on accident. I was going to do another film. We had a screenplay written and we had, we were going to hire actors and I, it had a storyline of post-traumatic stress, but I didn't know much about post-traumatic stress at the time. So I wanted to interview veterans. I did. I met a guy in San Diego named Carl. Carl was on 16 different medications down from 18, which was shocking to me. I thought, how can somebody be on that many medications? And he told me it didn't actually help. It just pushed back the symptoms. So I left that interview realizing we've got to see if there's something else out there other than medications that don't seem to be actually solving the problem. So that set me on a three-year journey. We put the other film on hold and I still have the screenplay and we still want to produce that at some point, but we put that on hold and we found great solutions for post-traumatic stress. And then we filmed it year two and then edited it year three. Uh, a gentleman named Dan Jarvis was interviewed in Wounded Heroes. He runs an organization called 220.org. He was, before I met him, when he was in bad shape with post-traumatic stress, he was suicidal. He, was, he says, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. And if this is all that life has for me, what's the point? And an alternative treatment featured in Wounded Heroes saved his life, turned his life around. And he was so excited about it. He started 220.org so that he could help others. And so he's helped, his organization has helped thousands all over the country now. 
uh, Dan reached out to me just two months before September. So what is that? June, I guess, beginning of June and said, Michael, I want to do a film called Healing the Heroes of 9-11. Would you produce it for me? And I said, yeah, absolutely. When do you want it done? He goes, in two months. I'm like, what? You don't even know what you're asking me to do in two months. <laughs> so I said, yes, and we jumped on it right away. And so I, you know, it's, that film is an hour. Wounded Heroes is a full-length feature, an hour and 50 minutes. Uh, Healing the Heroes is an hour, which is still considered a feature. But uh, man, we did a lot. We filmed in New York. Uh, Florida, Japan, all over the place and got the whole thing filmed, edited, organized and ready to release on September 11th. And you can watch that film at no cost on Dan's website, 220.org. It's a powerful film showing a treatment called TRP, Trauma Resiliency Protocol, uh, that is healing people all over the country. And we're going to talk about those different uh, healing processes later in the show, but um, incredible work. I can't believe you pulled off producing that that quickly. So I can't either, to be honest, Kudos to you. As we say, God, God helped us. God was involved. It was a miracle in a lot of ways. <laughs> you featured five first responders from both ground zero and the Pentagon, Bill Hayes, Bonnie Gibfried, Carlo Pachaleo, excuse me, John Walker, and the Reverend Kim Osorio in healing the heroes of nine 11. What was it about those five and their stories that prompted you to choose them? Well, I did interview a lot of different people. Um, I found some of them, 220 found some, and we interviewed uh, a lot of different people. One, I wanted to find out what their story was, what their battle with post-traumatic stress was, if they're going to be comfortable talking on camera. There were a lot of things I was looking for. And, um, you know, and, and really their story. You know, when we met Car Carlo from uh, the Pentagon, he is now, was now living in Japan. And the reason he was in Japan was because that's, he had to get away from the U.S., that helped him with this post-traumatic stress, having people around him where he couldn't understand what they were saying. He said gibberish, the language, the, the, whatever he saw that was written, he didn't understand. He goes to put him in a little bubble where he didn't have to listen to people talking and because he didn't want to understand them. He wanted to be in his own little bubble and just get away. He didn't want people talking about 9-11. He didn't want to turn on the news and see 9-11. It was a great place to just hide from 9-11 and what he experienced. And uh, so, you know, when I found out that part of his story and everything else he talked about during the interview, I was like, man, this guy's going to be amazing. So it was just finding people like that that had amazing stories. Uh, Reverend Kim, uh, that she's a chaplain. I just adore her. I, I loved her story, but I loved her as a person. If I was ever in a traumatic event, she's the one I would want there with me. She just has, there's just something about certain people who, you just kind of relate to and everybody who meets Kim is just like, she's adorable. She's amazing. She's just a good woman. So that was the reason why I wanted to put her in the film. There's just a lot of different reasons for each person. And it was done through interviews. So collectively, what do we learn from those five? You know, what's the 30,000 foot big picture perspective we gain from that? That post-traumatic stress can be healed. And we have five people that have battled post-traumatic stress for 20 years Johnny Walker, he couldn't even go back to ground zero in 20 years. We interviewed him and he goes, I haven't been there in 20 years. I know you want me to go back Friday. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to. Well, then we put him through TRP. After TRP, he said, well, I won't say I won't go because I'm kind of excited about going, but I'm still nervous. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. And then on Friday, he was there for the first time in 20 years. We filmed him at Ground Zero. We also filmed him down in the museum walking around because the museum allowed us to film. We filmed Kim, who hadn't been down in the museum in 20 years, in the museum with Johnny. We filmed all of the first responders. Uh, Carlo from Japan, he hasn't ever gone back to the Pentagon. He goes, he's had many opportunities, but he said, I just can't do it. I don't know why, but I can't do it. Well, he did it. Saturday on September 11th, he flew back from Japan. He actually moved his family back to the U.S. as well. And he went to the Pentagon for the first time in 20 years. So those three people who went back after 20 years, something they could never do before TRP now did. And then the other two had also very uh, life-changing things that took place because of TRP. So Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11 have example of example from people who were miserable, thought they'd have to live a miserable life for the rest of their lives. Some of them were very suicidal, and they all today have their lives back. Smiles in their faces, great jobs, family relationships, and living a life worth living. And so that's what these films are about. Yeah, and I'm getting excited talking about TRP. And again, that's a bit later, but I'm not sure if I shared this with you when we first spoke. Uh, I was at Ground Zero on 9-11. I have spent my, almost my entire career you know, in the financial services district down there. I uh, have worked within blocks of Ground Zero for the last 20 years. It took me 17 years before I went back. 
Oh yeah. I totally understand, understand that. Totally yeah. understand it. So that's why it's, it's personal for me. Mm-hmm. And I want to get to what you mentioned a minute ago. That was a big point you wanted to get across and that's post-traumatic stress can be healed. You know, for years we've heard about the post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD. I've had this conversation with lots of folks about whether you drop the D or not. And you say PTS is not a disorder. It's the normal reaction to a traumatic event. It's an injury and it can be healed. How does that distinction, injury instead of disorder, represent an evolution about the way we approach post-traumatic stress and the way we treat it? Well, you know, I think General Bolduc, I just spoke at an event recently that General Bolduc was also speaking at. David Webb from Fox spoke and Congressman Brian Mast were also speakers. So it was an honor for me to get to be part of an event where I could also speak. Um, but the next morning, there was a small get-together, and, and General Bolduc came in and spoke again. And, you know, he was the one who also talked about it being an injury. And I didn't know what his thoughts were on it. But, you know, he said, look, if you break a leg, you know, people, you go to the doctor, you get the cast. People are like, can I help you? Can I get you some coffee? I know you're not very mobile right now. You know, people surround you. are there to help you. He goes, but, and this, he's experienced this because General Bolduc has, had, has post-traumatic stress, as he says, and TBI, traumatic brain injury. He said, but when you have post-traumatic stress, people go, Oh, and then he literally ran out of the room, out the door and stuck his head back in like, Ooh, that person has post-traumatic stress. And he goes, you know, that's what people think. And that's how they treat people with post-traumatic stress. And he says, it's wrong. It's an injury. It's no different than the guy who breaks his leg. And he said, you can get post-traumatic stress healed. We should be there to surround them, help them, not be afraid of them and help them through the process of being healed. And both films, as I said, give examples of every person in the film, films, both were healed. So it's, there's people who get mad, I think, when I say that or others say that because they're not healed and they think it's impossible. I had a gal, we, you and I talked about this and you, you talked about it in the social media promotions too. Sherry in uh, San Diego, she had tried everything. She was done trying because she said every time something failed, she goes, I, had to, I, was, I was devastated and depressed for months, getting my hopes up once again, only to find out it wasn't going to actually help me. So she said, I'm done trying. So then in that, her situation, a protocol called RTM, which we'll talk about later, came up and she was like, not interested. And it wasn't for until a year later, um, she, she tried it only because she saw so many other people that she knew having success because of it. But the reason she said no was she said, you guys are expecting me to believe in unicorns. Unicorns do not exist. Healing does not exist. I've tried it. I'm tired of trying it and being disappointed. I'm not trying it again. And here she is sitting in front of me now on camera talking about how RTM changed her life. She tried it and it dramatically, as she says, saved her life in tears, crying. She said, this saved my life. She didn't know she could be this happy. And and then she said, I found unicorns. And that was such a powerful statement for me when, when she said that on film, something she didn't think existed, healing. So I understand there are people who don't think it exists, but that's only because you haven't tried some of the alternative treatments that we featured in both films and you can get your life back. And that's the message that I have, that Dan Jarvis in 22-0 has, General Boldick has, many people, because it's a fact. You can be healed. So now we're at that point we've all been waiting for. Let's talk about these alternative treatments. You know, there are a lot that I haven't heard of. And let's take them one by one so you can just describe them in a bit of detail. And if possible, sure, again, sure if there's a person there like Sherry in San Diego. So the first one is reconciliation of traumatic memories. So I'm going to lump three together. So there's reconsolidation of traumatic memories, RTM. There's something called ART, which we feature in Wounded Heroes, Accelerated Resolution Therapy. And there's TRP, Trauma Resiliency Protocol, that we feature in 22-0's film, Healing the Heroes of 9-11. So all three of those are neurological interventions. They go about it differently but it's the same end result. And they're all three very powerful options that are completely changing and saving a lot of lives. So my, my two favorites, I would say, probably are going to be RTM and TRP, just from my experience. And uh, David Webb from Fox News, he's now part of an organization that now, I guess, has TRP. They bought the rights to, I'm sorry, to RTM. They bought the rights to RTM and they're getting it all over the country. They've got buildings that they're purchasing and setting up places for people to come and get help, which is great. Dan Jarvis and 22-0, they are training people all over the country with TRP for free help. If you're a veteran, first responder, uh, 
and, and the family, they get help at no cost at 220.org, which is amazing. Uh, so that's what those three are. And basically what it's happening is they're taking the uh, memory and the emotion, which are right now really attached. And when, you know, they're having a lot of problems with the post-traumatic stress. And so the doctors will put you on sometimes medications that stop you from getting REM sleep, uh, which you need REM sleep to one sleep two to heal anything that's going on in your brain that needs to be healed and worked through. But um, the uh, TRP and RTM, what they do is they, through a very simple process, they just, and you don't even have to talk about the trauma. That's the other thing I love. You don't have to talk about the traumatic event. It's not like prolonged exposure therapy where they force you to talk about it over and over again, hoping that the overexposure will kind of dull eventually. Mm-hmm. Well, that's been a huge failure in the VA. Very few people find success. There are some who do, but very few. Most drop out. Some have even taken their lives by suicide because they're forced to keep looking at it. It's a lousy uh, option. I don't know why the VA continues to do it. Um, so this option, you don't have to talk about the trauma. And, when, and through the process, very simply, they separate the emotion from the memory. Everything is processed p- properly. It's taken out of the amygdala, which is talked about in both films, and it's able to be processed out. And for some reason, the way it's done, it just works. I've gone through it myself. I've been trained in it. I just finished my training this last week weekend. Uh, and I, it, you can't even explain how simple it is and yet how powerfully it works in a person's life. It's amazing. So those are my, those are my three uh, favorites with TRP being probably my first RTM second. Um, and then there's something else called, if I can just jump up, go forward, Stella ganglion block. That's a shot in the neck. They call it SGB. I don't think most people need that. So I'm not somebody who's going to say, go out and get SGB, but I think it is a needed, potentially needed treatment for some people. The, the disadvantage to SGB is it's a shot in the neck, 10 minute procedure. It's very simple. What they're shooting in the neck is just a numbing uh, so that you can reboot the area. They talk the doctors talk about it in Wounded Heroes in much more detail, um, better than I can. But the bottom line is uh, there are people you have to have it done on a regular basis. You know, one person, it may last six months. So they'll have to do it again in six months. Somebody else it may last a year, but it's an ongoing thing. And I know many people in the military who are, who do SGB and I keep telling them, you know, try TRP, you know, you'll get taken care of 100%. You won't ever have to go back and do another shot of SGB. But the reason I still think SGB is needed is that there are people who are in such bad shape, they can't even sit and talk to somebody for five minutes, let alone 20 or 30 minutes. And I met a guy like that in Chicago when we were filming the SGB segment. He, he, he scared me. He looked like a wild animal. His eyes did. His wife kind of stopped me from getting too close. And, and then when I saw his eyes, I was like, yep, nope, you, I'm, you're right. I'm, I'll back up because <laughs> he wouldn't talk, couldn't talk. He was in really bad shape. He's not somebody who could have gone through, I don't think, anything. Uh, after he went through that simple 10 minute procedure with SGB, I saw him afterwards, the guy was smiling. He hadn't been out shopping or doing anything in over two years. He said, I can't wait to go shopping. There was such a change in him physically. What I saw behind the eyes, the person from this wild animal to a calm, happy person. Now he's in a great place to now go and get TRP or RTM or whatever else and actually get that long-term healing. So that's where I think SGB works well with the other options, but most people don't need to have to do SGB. They can go straight to TRP in my opinion. I'm not a doctor, but that's my opinion. There's your disclaimer. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> We've been talking to Michael Geyer and we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit VoiceAmerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 
888-346-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Next Steps Forward. To reach Chris Meek or his guest on the show today, please call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Or send an email to Chris at nextstepsforward.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we are back with actor, director, and producer Michael Geyer was released two documentaries this year, Wounded Heroes and Healing the Heroes of 9-11. We were talking before the break about various alternative treatments for post-traumatic stress. I'd like to pick back up on that topic with just a few more questions. And first, I want to highlight the folks here with TRP. Michael switched out the movie poster back there for Healing Heroes 9-11, so make sure you check it out. But Michael, you said that one of the big benefits of TRP is that police and firefighters can provide peer-to-peer support rather than going through more official channels. Why is that better for a lot of our first responders? So this was, I think, a brilliant idea of 22 Zeros, um, what they're doing through the organization. And TRP is something that can be done. Like I said, I was just trained, and I'm not even a doctor. It's just learning the steps and how to take somebody through, literally, the questions in a script. And that simple, a life can dramatically be changed. My camera guy, we were filming in New York for this film, Healing the Heroes. He had a traumatic event where he almost lost his life in a car accident. So Dan, while we're walking to the Empire State Building, Dan walks Fernando through TRP. We get to the Empire State Building and I saw the look on my camera guy's face. I'll never forget the look. He was like in shock. He was trying to figure out what just happened. He told me weeks later that he said it, it, it so solved the problem of his traumatic event that he used to you know, drive stiff, looking at mirrors, always trying to protect himself. He goes, I'm so relaxed driving now. He said, I'm actually bored driving. I mean, these are the things that are happening in people's lives. Just walking down the streets of New York, Fernando got his life back and can relax and drive now. Uh, it, it's just an, an amazing technique. So you have police officers, firefighters, 911 dispatchers, prison guards, they're experiencing traumatic events on a regular basis. And those things just right on top of each other, of course, they're going to have a traumatic, uh, post-traumatic stress uh, is going to happen because of it. And if they don't get help because they're afraid of losing their job or they're going to take away their gun, you know, all the different things, they, it just gets worse and worse. They start medi- self-medicating. They have issues with their family. All hell starts breaking loose in their life. And it starts falling apart. If you have other officers trained in TRP and they can talk to each other, 
They've walked in each other's shoes. They know what each other go through. They don't have to call HR or their bosses or psychiatrists and get on drugs. They can talk to each other, go through TRP, get healed, get better. They now go back to work every day, working at 100% instead of at 25%. And we have people in the film who officers who talked about how they were on the very edge of losing it all, who were suicidal. Firefighter of the year in Arizona just a few years ago said, I was getting high every single night just to sleep and I was suicidal. And he was firefighter of the year in the state of Arizona. There are police officers saying the same thing. Now they all have their lives back. They all are working at 100%. They've got their family life. Marriages are in much better shape. TRP is so helpful for anybody dealing with traumatic events on a daily basis as these first responders do. Training them in their departments throughout the country is helping them to help each other. And it's a brilliant strategy for 220 to help our first responders. Is there a downside or danger to peer-to-peer process? Could somebody miss something who's not professionally trained? No, because there's nothing in TRP. Again, I, I don't want to say, I'll give a disclaimer that I'm not a doctor. I would ask 220, but from my experience, from what I've seen and know and being trained in it, there's nothing in there that's going to hurt anybody. Even if you do something wrong with the questions that you ask and taking them through the script, all that what could possibly happen is it doesn't work. But even Dan said he's seen people mess it up and it still worked. So it's like, it's pretty, you know, fail proof. Um, and there's no, I've never seen anything or heard of anything negative happening because um, something went wrong somewhere. And one more here, accelerated resolution therapy. What's that involve? So that we talked about like earlier is the same as RTM and TRP in a certain extent. The only difference is they have, they wave the hand so that your eyes follow the hand. And they're trying to recreate REM sleep in your mind so that you can kind of help process, process things out. But it's doing the same thing. It's separating the emotion from the memory, getting it out of the amygdala. And it's a neurological intervention like the other two. Not everybody can. They may not be able to see. They may only have one good eye. They may not be able to focus. There's a lot of reasons why they may not be able to follow a hand. Um, but, you know, it is a good treatment that has helped many people. I just happen to like uh, TRP the best and RTM after that. There's also, we, we feature our saddles and service, which is horse therapy. They're all over the country. Now they're popping up all over the world to help people. Uh, saddles and services in San Diego. They also just opened up a ranch in Wyoming and I believe in Texas. They're doing amazing, amazing work. Uh, and I think something like horse therapy, that's a good follow-up after you've done something like TRP or RTM. Follow it up with, you know, something like that, or get hooked up with your local VA in San Diego. We happen to have a good, great VA that has sailing and archery and, and the horseback riding and uh, badminton and all kinds of options for people to get together with other veterans, like-minded people who've been through the battle and hang out together. That's, that's a great option as well for follow-up. There's also week-long programs we feature too in the film. Those are also good where you get together with like-minded people. You don't want to fight this battle alone. You want to fight it with people who have been there, who understand it, and you fight and conquer the enemy of post-traumatic stress together. Uh, finding a new mission is really important for them. Uh, so they have a reason to get up and each morning. And uh, yeah, so those are pretty much a lot of what we feature in Wounded Heroes. And then of course, TRP and Healing the Heroes of 9-11. You talked about horse therapy. We've had guests on before talking about music therapy and art therapy. Mm. Obviously totally different than what we're talking about earlier. What are some of those advantages? Is it more just because it's you're, you're with your group, with your, with your peers, or... Is to your point a minute ago, is it sort of 2.0 of your healing process? I think both. Um, I, again, I do think those types of things won't heal the post-traumatic stress. They help the post-traumatic stress. That's why, in my opinion, I think doing something like TRP is the first place you go. You get healed. Then you follow it up with other things like the horse therapy, like the music therapy, which is outstanding, outdoor activities, uh, fishing, and doing it with other veterans or first responders, like-minded people who've been through the battle. That's a great way to follow it up after you've done something like TRP that solves the problem. And to that point, just showing them that they're not alone. They're not going through it together. They're not the only one. Mm -hmm. You mentioned a moment ago about you know police officers are free to lose their badge and their gun. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that in the military losing, you know, security clearances, their gun put behind a desk. Yeah. And, you know, almost every show I mentioned, Jim Ursay, the owner of Indianapolis Colts, because I'm trying to get him on the show. Uh, he and the team and Darius Leonard, their star linebacker, they ca- started a campaign called Kicking the Stigma. Mm. And, you know, throughout COVID, we've heard the phrase a lot, it's okay to not be okay. And so I think the one positive thing for that, for a better word of COVID is that it has really put a spotlight in a good way on everyone's mental health. And so it, it takes great people like you getting out there to spread the word and, and make these, these documentaries and these films. So, so thank you for that. 
and it seems to me that there's often a focus on the person with traumatic memories, and we tend to forget about the people around them. Mm. You've emphasized the value of marriage resources too. Could you expand that topic, please? Yeah, and that's such a great question because when someone's battling post-traumatic stress, everybody around them is battling post-traumatic stress. Some of them also need help because of what they're experiencing. And that's another thing I like about 220.org is they offer this not just to the veterans and first responders for free, but also their families because they understand the families are affected by their loved one's battle. And so, yeah, it's very important. So many people who are just family members, they can also watch Wounded Heroes or TRP. The thing is, uh, they're going to learn a lot of things. Maybe their loved one who's in the battle won't watch it, won't get help, but they can watch it, learn about it, and then help their family member, and they can help themselves. You know, so that's very important. You know, one of the reasons you're an advocate for alternative treatments is because you've seen a number of people who've been prescribed numerous prescription drugs. You mentioned Carl in the first half of the show who went from 18 to 16. I've heard numerous stories of the VA just writing script after script after script and not to, to dump on the VA. They do some great work as well, and I do a lot mm-hmm. of work with them. Mm-hmm. But what's happening there? Are we really just trying to well, not pay any attention to it? You know, what's going on with this, all this medication we're throwing out there? Yeah, it really needs to stop. And uh, I, I don't blame, as you said, uh, well, there's a lot of blame to go around. I think the drug companies are to blame. They're, they make their money by getting drugs sold and given. You know, so they want to teach psychiatrists that this is the problem. And, and it's in the book of psychiatry listed as the problem. If these are the symptoms, these, these are the drugs you give them. So psychiatrists are trained to do that. So I don't necessarily think they're the bad guy. This is what they're trained to do. You know, they have somebody come in, they sit down, they get their symptoms. They go, okay, after our 50-minute interview, you clearly have post-traumatic stress. And they will give them the prescriptions they're supposed to give them based on post-traumatic stress. And, but that's not solving anything. That's creating more problems. So when I did this film, I learned about Carl. I didn't really know about a problem of being of overdrugging and it being and happening to a lot of people. I just went out and interviewed veterans who had found success in, in alternative treatments. Every one of them brought up during the interview how they were overprescribed drugs and how those drugs destroyed their lives. Every one of them. So the film talks about that. Wounded Heroes talks about that, not because I expected that to be part of the film, only because that's what happened to come up when we had conversations on camera with veterans and first responders. They were overdrugged and it destroyed their lives. So then they found an alternative treatment that not only solved the problem of post-traumatic stress, it also got them off all, for most of them, their drugs. And some of them were still on, you know, one to three medications, but they're not the black labeled serious high side effect medications. Uh, you know, so yeah, that's a big problem with the drug companies, the government, you know, I've been told that, and we talk about it in Wounded Heroes, Congress, senators, you know, the drug companies fund their campaigns. And do they really want to piss off the, the hand that's feeding them? No. Do they have any incentive to really change all the drugs being sold and handed out in the VA and other places? No, because they can't be part of that and then lose their funding from the drug companies. These are all real facts behind the scenes, which are making it very difficult for change to happen in Washington that needs to change because it's killing people. It's destroying their lives. Why do you think it is that alternative treatments have been sort of looked down upon or ridiculed? And do you think those attitudes are changing? I, I guess, I mean, I don't know why uh, they are. The thing is, as I, I don't know where this term came from, but the proof is in the pudding. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. But when you see success after success after success, you kind of have to say it must be working. When you see failure after failure, like prolonged exposure therapy and drugs, why are we still doing it? It's not working. You know, so I don't know why people are against the alternative treatments. If it's working, to me, that's more important than any of the long, big studies they've done that say, oh, this works. And then when they actually do it, it doesn't work. It's like, that's just stupid. Um, So uh, I don't know why, but I think people need to look at the alternative treatments that are working. Doctors, you know, they're not always the smartest, in my opinion. I've been told by doctors many times the wrong information. I almost died as a kid because the doctor misdiagnosed me. Um, doctors can put you on medications that you're suicidal because of your post-traumatic stress. They can put you on a medication with a side effect that causes suicidal tendencies. Why would you give somebody a medication of suicidal tendencies who's already suicidal or a side effect is depression when they're already depressed? 
these are just things that some, you know, things that happen that you can't trust the so-called doctors. You need to do your own research, know what you're being given medication wise, know what they're asking you to do. Make sure it's okay. My mom is who saved my life when I was a kid. The doctor got it all wrong. She researched it. She found out the information. She went back in and said, you're doing this because this is what I think my, is going on with my son. She did the research. We all need to do that for ourselves before you take the medications or do the treatments they're saying to do. Find what works, research it decide and then do it and alternative treatments are working in my opinion as both films show with healing the heroes of 9-11 you've received a lot of interest from people about how they can spread the documentary's impact you've come up with the sponsor a hero idea how's that work and how can our listeners get involved so for wounded heroes i originally wanted to raise enough money to give the film away for free and we raised i think about thirteen thousand dollars uh, the budget was $250,000, so we didn't come anywhere near what we needed. So that's why the film is available on Amazon and iTunes and Google Play. We have to be able to rent it for four bucks to hopefully get reimbursed at some point. Uh, so we, what we did is we created Sponsor a Hero because that allows and gives people the opportunity to purchase screenings, which helps us because we can then get reimbursed and we can still give it away for free to the heroes. And so $4 a screening. And 20 bucks gives five people the chance to watch the film and get their life back. We've had uh, $3,000 sponsorships. We've had um, a lot of different numbers, low and high, but all of those are free screenings we can give to help others. So like I said, it helps us to get reimbursed. It helps them because they get to see it for free. Is there a website people can go to for that? So yes, woundedheroesdocumentary.com. And then at the top navigation, you'll see sponsor a hero. The link there, just click on that. and It'll take you right to that page. Perfect. And look at that on social media for everybody as well. I asked earlier about how you chose the five people you featured in Healing the Heroes of 9-11. What goes into choosing the production crew that you work with and how do you put together all the pieces from development to financing to post-production and everything else I'm missing? Yeah, it's a big job putting together a, a film. And the crew is really important. My camera guy, the DP or cinematographer, DP stands for uh, Director of Photography. And then same as the cinematographer, they're the same. Um, that's the most important for me. Um, and then you have audio. Uh, good audio is, is important. And then a production um, assistant and uh, people who help with the lights, setting things up, all that good stuff. So I normally just bring my DP with me when I film and I hire everybody else locally. And uh, because for me, and I interview them via Zoom and I make sure there's somebody I'm going to be able to want to work with. I look at their work. Uh, just put together a team, you know, same thing with Japan. You know, we had to um, hire a local production company there to work with us. And, you know, it's just doing your due diligence. And same thing, I have a composer, his name is Ilsik, B-Y-U-N, Bayun, I think his last name is pronounced. Uh, he's done three films with me, one, two, three, three or four films with me now. Uh, but an amazing composer, and he writes all original music for each of these films, uh, which is fabulous. Full orchestrations, which is really nice. Uh, it sounds fabulous. Uh, that's an important aspect, music, of course, with any film you do. Post-sound getting it all to sound right. Sometimes you've got loud background noise you need to get rid of or a loud fan or a big honking horn or whatever else. You want to do your best to get rid of that. You need a professional in post-sound. There's just a lot of different things that go into it. Uh, but it's just, I like to look at their work, meet them, make sure I want to work with them. And then, you know, we do the job. What advice do you have for someone who's interested in a career either in front of the camera or behind it? That could be a whole new podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Michael Gunner, the next show. <laughs> yeah. Was, um, well, you know, it's like when I got one behind the camera, I knew nothing about it. I, I bought a bunch of books. I read. Uh, I bought a bunch of equipment. And then I hired a college kid to teach me how to use it because I started as a one-man band. I was, I was producing it. I was filming it. I was doing the audio. I was editing it. And I didn't know how to do any of it before I did it. So I just, that's, I just like I said, bought equipment, hired someone to teach me. And then I went out there and started doing it. Acting, you know, one thing that's allowed me to keep working is I'm a versatile. I've learned to become a, an actor, uh, a dancer, multiple types of dancing, a uh, singer, an on-camera host, voiceover. So having all those different things that I can get hired for allow me to always be working. That's one reason why I was able to keep working. So I think being in front of the camera or performing on stage, you just want to make sure that you're as versatile as possible, get as much training as you can as possible, and present yourself as a professional and get out there and start auditioning. You obviously always have exciting projects on the drawing board and in the works. What's ahead for you and your colleagues? 
So I've got my corporate clients that I'm still working with. I'm always working with. Uh, so that keeps me busy. But um, we have two different film projects we're thinking about doing. Uh, nothing is set uh, in stone yet, but we have a couple of projects coming up that I, I won't go into detail on because we don't know if it's going to happen. But hopefully I'll be able to announce that soon. I can't imagine life as an actor and director producer has always been a bed of roses for you. You must have faced some very big obstacles and some challenging times. Because this show is about leadership and succeeding in the face of adversity, what was the biggest challenge you faced? Uh, biggest challenge? Well, I guess I'd like to say that one thing is regardless of the challenge, I don't let that challenge ever stop me. I've been someone, if I can't get through it, I try to find a way around it. I've never accepted no for an answer. I've had people, I wanted to produce a show in San Diego with Lawrence Welk stars. Many people today won't know who the Lawrence Welk stars are, but they were, they had the number one TV show back in their day on television. I performed with all of the Welk stars in Branson, Missouri for five years. And these were all big stars who have millions and millions of fans to this day all over the country. I wanted to get some of these Welk stars come to San Diego, produce a show. And I had other people telling me, you can't do that. Why are the Welk stars going to want to be in a show that you're producing? You know, the, I mean, I mean you know, there are people who are always naysayers and I've had that for different things throughout my, my life. I go after things and I don't stop until I get it, which I think is one reason why I'm able to get some things done. Um, but you have naysayers around you. Don't listen to the naysayers, get rid of them, get them out of your life. You want people around you who are going to encourage you to let you know you can't succeed. I ignored all of those idiots. Of course, I went to San Diego uh, worked out a deal with the theater, a 2,500-seat beautiful theater. I worked out a deal with four of the Lawrence Welk stars, some of the biggest stars, found an orchestra, um, negotiated with them. Instead of hiring in San Diego, I actually was cheaper to hire in L.A., and they drove down. Uh, we did two amazing shows, beautiful audience. We all made money, and the Welk stars were so impressed. They said, Michael, please keep doing this. We will do anything that you produce because this went so well, and it was so much fun, and you were such a great producer to work with. That's what happens when you ignore the naysayers. So regardless of the, the block, uh, blockage or the dead ends or the naysayers, don't listen, keep going, find a way around it, and you will be successful. We have just a few minutes left. What project or role haven't you done yet that you have on your bucket list? Gosh, I don't know if I have a project or role. So you're talking about projects. You talked about earlier why I like to get up in the morning. I like to pro produce things that change lives. Uh, anything I do, even if, when I hire actors and I produce films, whether it's a short film or not, or feature film, I want to have a positive message in it so that there's a reason why when, after someone watches it, they've been entertained, but it could potentially save their life. Uh, so that's what gets me up in the morning is trying to find projects that will impact society, people, individuals. Um, and, uh, and then what was the other part of the question? I just, you know, what, what do you want to do? What's on your bucket list? Oh, yeah. So other than that, I, I want to keep doing what I'm doing. You know, I play on, on television and film now. I play a lot of great roles. Um, and uh, I've done all the crazy roles I like to do because I like I like playing bad guys. And uh, those are my favorites. And I've played a lot of them. And I just want to keep continuing to do that and producing projects that benefit people's lives. So you like playing the role that's opposite of the person you actually are. Exactly. Oh, it's so much fun playing a serial killer or, a, <laughs> a, I mean, it's just because it's so not me. I'm totally acting, but... But people get, my, my sister won't even watch some of the roles. She goes, that is not you. She goes, you really freak me out. Because <laughs> I, well, I won't even go into the, the, the role, but she stopped watching it after um, a little bit because she said it. She goes, that's not Michael. She goes, you were scaring me. <laughs> I go, Colleen, come on. I'm just acting. <laughs> Michael Geyer, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for taking time on your busy schedule to join us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Wounded Heroes, the award-winning film about veterans and first responders, post-traumatic stress, and the many successful alternative treatments that help anyone battling PTS get back their life, get their life back, is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Voodoo, and more. Healing the Heroes of 9-11 can be found at 220.org. That's the number 22-Z-E-R-O.org. Thank you to our loyal followers and new listeners for tuning in to today's episode of Next Steps Forward. I'm Chris Meek. For more details about upcoming shows and guests, Please follow me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Chris Meek public figure and on Twitter at Chris Meek underscore USA. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place with another leader from the world of business, politics, public policy, sports, or entertainment. Until then, stay safe and keep taking your next steps forward. Thanks for tuning in to Next Steps Forward. Be sure to join Chris Meek for another great show next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. 
This week, make things happen in your life.